inch by inch, row by row, gonna make this garden grow. All it takes is a rake and a hoe and a piece of fertile ground. Inch by inch, row by row, someone bless these seeds I sow. Someone warm them from below till the rain comes tumbling down. It is time right now for In the Garden with Peter Burke. Our program today brought to you by Menard's family-owned True Value Store on Brooklyn Street in Morrisville. By V's Flower and Garden Shop Mainstream Street in Waitsfield. By Broughton's Big Country Hardware, your authorized Cub Cadet dealer in Bridport. Clausen's Florist Greenhouse and Perennial Farm, locally grown just for you and with Mega Monday coupons back. They're on Main Street in Colchester. By your locally owned Montpelier Agway on East Montpelier Road. By Thomas Farm and Garden on the Barry Montpelier Road. By Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber in Middlesex, St. Albans, Enosburg, Swanton and Derby. Sticksandstuff.com by Guy's Farm and Yard Stores in Morrisville, Montpelier, Williston, and St. Albans. By PR Lumber, family-owned lumber mill with all the lumber, mulch, and compost you need right there on Route 15 in Walkin. And by the Willie Store in Greensboro, celebrating 120 years of family ownership. In the Garden with Peter Burke right now. Telephone lines are always open. Your gardening questions are welcome. And, um, well, let us know the progress of your garden as well. The number to call, 244-1777. That's uh, 802-244-1777. And here is your host, Peter Burke. Well, the rain certainly did come tumbling down last night. <laughs> did you guys get rain over over there too? You know, it's funny. The the, the dog at a certain time when the <laughs> certain when the network newscast ends, that she know she actually knows that's time that I'm going to take her out. So. She, she gave me that look, ran down the stairs. I opened the door. She took one look and looked back at me and said, I'm going to hold it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry, Dad. <laughs> Later. Boy, oh, boy. It was a torrent out there. <laughs> well, we were just driving back from Montpelier right in the middle of it all. And uh, we had uh, my, um, my two grandsons with us. <laughs> and uh, it was quite the adventure. <laughs> Uh, we seemed to time it just right to be right in the middle of it, and then we got home. It let up a little bit, thankfully, and but uh, the thunder and uh, lightning kept up for quite. Whoop! Oh, there we go. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Things have been dropping up, but that was my fault. Got a, well, too, too wide a finger. Here. You know, I <laughs> okay. Um, I just want to say happy Memorial Day to you. Mm-hmm. May 30th is Memorial Day, and even though we celebrated it last week, and a lot of people were thinking, oh, it's Memorial Day, it's time to plant. Uh, this is Memorial Day, and this is more like the time to plant. And I would like to caution everybody that uh, Sunday night they're talking about, you know, down to 33 degrees, which is very close to frost. So some spots may actually get a frost uh, Sunday night and Monday morning. 
Egad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, not you guys over in the banana belt. You don't need to worry about that. And today is Green Up Day, too, so a lot of things coming together. That's right. Green Up Day. Yeah. Yeah, I'm surprised we can get a little snow. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm celebrating by only planting green things in my garden at the moment. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I have to say, observing uh, as I drive around Vermont, a lot of new beds for gardens out there, and uh, I suppose PNR is selling lots and lots of lumber for garden beds. Um, and uh, it's fun to see. It's fun to see what people are doing. And, uh, um, you know, uh, it uh, seems like uh, people are getting the idea in the garden beds for, for a garden. So yeah, I mean, I frequented a number of the sponsors in our in my immediate area, and uh, Clausen's in Colchester. Oh know, yeah, crowds and everything. Everybody is out uh, um, planting not only uh, you know veggies for the garden, but flowers as well. Oh and, yeah, the uh, guys farm and yard. Mm-hmm, doing mm-hmm. So anyway, it's, uh, I've noticed the same thing. Yeah, yeah, it's great stuff. We got we have a caller right on the air. So oh great, give us a, sure. Let's see. Let me push that button, that button, and say, <laughs> well, good afternoon. You're first on the air today with Peter. Burke in the garden. Well, well, this is another Peter from Barrie. Hey, Peter. Welcome. Uh, now, I've got the radio on in the background. Are you getting feedback? Uh, I'm not see- hearing anything yet. So far, okay. Oh. Okay, so uh, I have a question regarding hardening off of plants. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, that's a tough one, isn't it? <laughs> I, I was hoping it wouldn't be for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I, yeah, I have a very simple way to, to harden off plants. Uh, buy your sets. <laughs> well, <laughs> That's I, a foolproof I, way. Well, the idea is simple. And uh, uh, I just came across an idea uh, just recently that I really liked. And that was uh, if you happen to have a wagon or a cart or something, stick your plants in there and uh, just and just trot them out in the morning into a shady spot. No sun, just a shady spot. So it would be either on the west or the east side of your your house or if you've got a, a spot that gets sort of uh, um, uh, dappled sunlight, you know, underneath a tree or that mm-hmm. kind of thing. So So that there's no, you know, solid sunlight. And that's... The first, that's the first thing you want to do. And the very first day, you want to do it for a half hour, hour at the most. And then trot them back into the woodshed or wherever it is. So mm-hmm. they're, so they're, they're um, in, not in the sun at all. Next day, go for two hours. And okay. so you, you have them there in your cart, so you don't have to move them out and all the rest. You can just cart them out and just add a little bit more sunshine as you go. Okay. And and that's the whole idea is to have them in a cooler environment, to have them in uh, partial shade, a little bit of sun. And um, if you figure it, you know, you divide it up into seven days, you know, you want to just add another uh, bit each each day to the time-wise until you're up to about eight hours by the end. But yeah. even at the last day, on eight, on the eighth day, right, you still only want partial sun. You don't want full sun yet. And uh, by that time, they should be fairly well hardened off. Um, so at that point, you want to plant a couple and make sure that they look okay, that they don't turn, the leaves don't turn light brown or anything like that. They aren't burned. 
mm-hmm. and if they if they are burned, then try to find a place like a you know something that's a little more sheltered that you can leave them out, like on a picnic bench, a picnic bench with a a picnic table with um, maybe a, an umbrella that has it. You know, you something like that. Um, you know, if you happen to have a greenhouse, but that's what I don't have is I don't really have a greenhouse at this point that I can put them out in. Uh, you're well, sort of, you're tied into a little bit every day. That's the first part of my question. Okay. Uh, part two, I have, I have actually three okay. questions and a comment. All right. Uh, uh, part two is I have some squash plants that I've started inside. Yep. And, and now... Before transplanting them, should I? I've got the primary leaves, of course. Should I wait for secondary leaves to come out? Yeah, you want to wait. Uh, you know, they should be in that pot for about two or three weeks, not not any longer than that. I see. Okay. And be and real gentle now, with the. Make sure you have the hole dug before you pop them out. Make sure you handle them real, real ginger because they they don't like their roots disturbed. Okay. Okay. And I've noticed something, and in, in this is the comment, mm-hmm. I've noticed some, something interesting in mowing my lawn. Yeah. I think, you know, selective breeding is, is, is looking for traits in plants and then cross-breeding sure. them and all that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. So you get the desired effect. Well, yep. I think it, with dandelions, with mowing the lawn, mm-hmm. I think it's actually starting to breed dandelions with short stems <laughs> I, I think that i think that may, maybe mowing our lawn is counterproductive for dandelions. <laughs> uh, well i i would just have to tell you that that's just a trait that that they can set a they can set a flower very easily on a short stem as well as a long stem well, obviously okay. the long stem is their first choice but dandelions are very, very adaptable, and if you mow them down, they will set a flower right there uh, without oh. any problem whatsoever. Well, that's what I've, that's what I've been noticing. <laughs> but, uh, so I don't think you're actually breeding a new type of, of mow-proof dandelion. <laughs> well, I, I just figured that the, the ones that produce the seeds on the short stem, yeah. they, they survive where the ones that... On the long stem that you cut off, yeah, yeah. they they uh, they don't breed, or they you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you didn't get a chance to pollinate. Well, it's a nice, uh, it's a good thought anyway. <laughs> yeah, well, it's too much time on my hands. Uh, the the uh, also about getting rid of ferns. Ferns? Why would you want to get rid of them? Because they're taking over the flower garden. Oh well, then that's real easy. Uh, just uh, just put uh, plenty of lime on there. They do not yeah. like a, a sweet soil. They they need an acid soil. Um, oh, once you, once you take your spade and dig out the root crown, you know, and um, uh, you know it's it, it it's mostly the problem is. Uh, you know, an infertile uh, acidic soil. They don't like a fertile soil. They they like something that's uh, acidic and infertile. Matter of fact, you you'll see quite a few um, uh, uh, ferns growing right along roadsides where it's fairly infertile and rocky and and pretty acidic. So um, that would be my first step. You know, dig the crowns and make sure you put uh, you know. But won't that also harm my flowers? 
Uh, you know, uh, it's a consideration. A lot of flowers don't like a sweet soil, but, you know, you just have to see what, what kind of flowers you have. What are you growing? Uh, poppies. Yeah, you should and, be okay with uh, that. And lupins. Yeah, no, you, well, uh, those guys are, are pretty adaptable. Lupins will grow right in the garden if you, if you give them a chance. But I would probably... Um, I guess if you're worried about that, just do a little at a time and see if it affects them. I don't think it would affect either one of those. I see. Kill them slowly. Yep. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but that's Thank that's the much. thing with ferns is you want to you have to sweeten the soil. I see. Thank okay. you very much. All right. Bye. Yeah, thanks for calling, Pete. And we have uh, Bill in South Woodbury. All right. Hey, Bill. Howdy. How are you today? Oh, not bad for a young fella. <laughs> What's going on in South Woodbury? Oh, I'm waiting for some more rain. Do you think we're going to get frost on Sunday night? Well, I'm at 1,500 feet, so normally if we get a chill, it goes down below me. When, when, it, when it snows, I can see <laughs> below my house, I can see the snow line. Okay. And, All right. Well, I, I look out over everything. So. Yeah, there you go. But uh, I have a question now. I have several clumps of uh, dandel, uh, not dandelions, um, <laughs> not tulips, da- daffodils. daffodils. There yeah. we go. There yeah, we yeah, go. yeah, yeah. Well, I keep saying I'm young, but well, anyway. Uh, <laughs> we'll let and, it go this time, Bill. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. I got one bloody daffodil this year. Mm, and wow. I don't know, uh, do they... You know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I have sandy soil, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they used to, you know, I used to get a couple of dozen down down the driveway and across yeah. the road. Yeah. There's just clumps in the field that are prolific. Huh. Huh. Okay. Um, well, uh, a couple of things. One is, um, do you divide them every once in a while, every few years? Oh, I haven't done that in years. No. Okay, so you might want to you might want to start there. That might be uh, what's happening is they're just simply they're overgrowing themselves to where they're they're growing out. Um, all those kinds of things that have uh, little bulbs in them will either get smaller and smaller or they'll just die out. So you want to make sure you you every few years, certainly not every year, but every few years you want to make sure you you divide them. Okay. Up can, can I do that now? Or? Absolutely no reason why not. Oh, okay. They're pretty much over. The second thing is, uh, do you got any chipmunks up there? No. Oh, okay. Because chipmunks will, will, they'll definitely gorge themselves on tulip bulbs, but if they're hard up, they'll uh, they'll go for your daffodils. And then the other little critter would be not a mole, but a vole. Voles we are, have them. Uh, so I would guess that that probably is your 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 problem is that they're getting eaten up. Hmm. Um, we can't grow tulips because chipmunks just well, love no, 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 them. Well, not, not tulips. This is a daffodil. We can't grow tulips because the chipmunks go on them, but daffodils they don't seem to go for as much. But the the voles will definitely go after the daffodils. Huh? Because I mean, you know, yeah, I, I, I've seen the holes in the ground yep. and stuff yep. like that. But mm-hmm. I mean, I, I yeah. it's been kind of like going downhill for the last couple of years. Last yeah. year I had like six, and now I only had one. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, so just buy another bunch and uh, keep dividing them over, you know, uh, every couple of years or so. And if you want to deal with your vole problem, you could do that too. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. I'm, not, I'm not getting that involved. It takes me three days to mow my lawn because I can only do about three hours work at a time. <laughs> so I'm with you. So buy a few more, <laughs> buy a few more bulbs and, and enjoy them for a couple of years. Divide them up so you can you can uh, mess with the voles. You know, you'll say, ah, you got, but you'll take you a couple of years to find these. <laughs> but yet, but yet the uh, the daylilies, by golly, they are just they go and yeah, go and yeah, yeah. Uh, we have same thing, uh, and and it's it's fun. My wife has this uh, hillside right behind the house, and it starts with the daffodils and and uh, used to be tulips, and now and now uh, the lilies are starting to really uh, put on some greenery. Of course, we have a, a clump of um, comfrey in the back, and that's always fun to see come up. And she's oh, got yeah. a, she's got three clumps of petunias. Those I actually was just telling her I'm gonna buy some sort of a little uh, you know thing that we can put around them because every time the peonies come up and get big we get a rainstorm and they fall over so I was thinking uh, I might try to. Did you ever go to the Countryman's Peony Farm? I have, yes, yeah. That was a it, it's gone remarkable. Now. Yep, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah, uh, it, m- my wife dragged me there, uh, and uh, I was I was just delighted. It was wonderful. It's, it was amazing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, one more thing. Yep. Um, I know rhubarb is you know pretty much bulletproof. Yeah. And some people I've seen. Oh, we have rhubarb roots already. Well, rhubarb stalks already. Yeah. Mine are only about six inches tall. Mm. I mean, is there any sort of thing that I should do to them? To well, I, I got two little ones on a sandy hillside. <laughs> well, the, if they're small, then they just they need some food. And and this is a actually a common problem is people who grow rhubarb and asparagus too forget that they really need to be both fed and watered. So if you can get yourself a bag of compost. And uh, um, you know, feed them. And, and I always water them. I, I know yep. that, that the soil is kind of well. If you have sandy soil, the water will tend to carry your fertilizer down into the soil. So it, that's particularly even more important. So if you can get yourself a bag of compost um, or just some pro growth, that would be easier to handle. You know, because uh, just dress it around it. Just dress it around it. Yeah, and you know. <laughs> Ordinarily, it's a tablespoon per square foot, um, so I would figure probably a good cup of it. Just uh, circle it around, not near the stems, but circle it around, maybe three or four inches away. Wonderful. Yeah, that that should uh, that should perk it up. Okie dokie. We thank you very much. Well, thanks thanks for the call, Steve. Bill. Bye bye. Yep. Lawrence, are you still with us? Hey, Peter. Hey, Joel. <laughs> hey, Lawrence. How are you? <laughs> Pretty good. Uh, years ago, uh, my life partner was in the Jaquith Library, and this old-timer came in with rhubarb that had leaves like two feet wide. <laughs> Huge. Yep. And, and Connie says, our patch is looking really pitiful. <laughs> and he said... Horse manure. Horse manure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so we got some horse manure and uh, top dressed the bed, and it's it's ever since it's ever been since, great. yeah, yeah, it's, yep. We're reading a lot of rhubarb crumbles right now. Oh, I know it, and, and so, yeah, you have those two foot leaves now, or what? 
Yeah, yeah, <laughs> many flower stalks, which we let growth and flower out. And oh, you do? Cut them down. You know? uh, oh, you don't. So cut pretty. It? Yeah, yeah. Well, we had. I just looked up from the breakfast table and and saw about three spikes coming up, and uh, my wife said, "Oh, you got to get up there and get the flower stalks out." Uh, and uh, but I I see the temptation to let in them flower and how beautiful they are. This is true. And yeah. yeah, no, we don't see any uh, diminishment in vigor mm. from the plants or mm. anything. You know, but uh, and then we maybe leave one that mm-hmm. goes to seed or something. You yeah. know, but yeah. there's like about. 30 stocks. <laughs> so, uh, two big, pa- uh, you know. Oh, we have uh, we have uh, two four-by-four squares on our hillside, and my wife planted uh, one in each corner of the of the four-by-four. So there's eight plants out there, and I'm uh, telling yeah. you, oh, my goodness. And it seemed to be a really good, they love that spot. And like you're talking about those two foot leaves, yeah, it's true. It's and the stalks are a good inch and a half, two inches, and they're they're delicious. They're good. They're nice and sour, and and they're not really overly tough if you get them early enough. Uh, but yeah. we came across a recipe a few years, you know, before we planted all this of. Um, the uh, strawberry rhubarb lace, and we we make it in our dryer. It's a, like a fruit leather, and we mm-hmm. make it with a, a rhubarb and a, a strawberry jello mix that's that's made with uh, agar agar, you know, not with uh, um, not with gelatin, and then mm-hmm. uh, well, a handful, maybe a couple of strawberries or so, and then it's all cooked down, and, and then you know you lay out the 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 applesauce consistency in the dryer and dry them up, and I'll tell you, we we never could keep them. We we made made shelves and shelves and shelves of it, and the kids just ate it up like crazy. It had that sort of tart and sweet flavor that the kids seem to love, and. But uh, the next year, my wife said, "Well, we're going to plant because we're going to do a lot more." We had, you know, and then some years we do a lot, and then some years uh, we give away a lot. <laughs> yeah. So the sweetener is just the raspberries, the strawberries, the strawberries, and the strawberry Jello mix. There's sugar oh. in that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You, you got to have sugar with your with your rhubarb, or some other yeah. sweetener. That's for sure. Yeah, she's been using a little maple syrup in mm-hmm. the cobblers, and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's great. And uh, do you make a uh, compost like Joel? <laughs> <laughs> no, but we're thinking about it <laughs> with the ice cream. <laughs> uh, let me let me pop in there. I, I, it is compote. However, oh, oh, my my oh, my oh. daughter's, uh, you know, my daughter's. Uh, uh, changed it to compost. I, I, I think I made the mistake of telling them when I was a steward at my fraternity in Middlebury because I, I cooked on the weekend when the cook had off, and they renamed every dish that I have. My breaded veal cutlets were dreaded veal cutlets. My shepherd pie was German shepherd pie. My chicken cacciatore was chicken cacciatomaine. Okay, and my my famous fruit compost compote suddenly became fruit compost. So I, I just, I just gave up with my tail between my legs. You you, know? Yeah, you have to, you have to, uh, you have to bow at that point and say, okay. 
<laughs> well, that's good to know. I, I that's the only thing I could see. I, I have a number of people who, who have said, "Gee, you know, we're not having those," and I'm looking at my, you know, my dinosaur-sized um, uh, rhubarb, and that's the only thing I can think of is just plenty of plenty of um, nitrogen. I think that's what it is. It's uh, mm-hmm. like I said, our patch was was over harvested by mm-hmm. some previous mm-hmm. owners, and uh, it was pitiful. And, mm-hmm. and since then, it's been. Well, I'm glad it came busted. back to life like that. That's that's good to oh, know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's so, good. So, what do you think? Is it going to frost on Sunday night, or are we going to get away with it? I don't know. We're just right above Marshfield Village, uh, but we are on a hill by a waterfall, so that moderates a little bit. But mm-hmm. that, if there's no breeze, it will get colder down here. I, it sounds like uh, uh, Monday night might even be colder than Sunday night, oh, yeah. according to Roger. Yeah, yeah, the, the, two nights. But, they have 33 for Sunday night and 39 for Monday night, so... Well, we'll we will see, and I'm still debating on whether to put my tomatoes out this weekend or not. Yeah, we haven't done that yet. Mm-hmm. I guess for that, and also our yeah, our celery. It's uh, we've read that uh, you know you don't want too many cold nights for celery. You know, and yeah, yeah. Sounds like we're, so we we've, we've been holding off on that, but they really yeah. need to get out. Yeah, mine too. Mine are getting big, and my tomatoes are definitely getting big. So, and my tomatillas are definitely getting big. So, um, yeah, I'm anxious to get them out, but I'm I, I really I just don't I just couldn't cover them all. There's just no way I could do it. So, yeah. Uh, I'll just have to wait okay. till Tuesday, I guess, <laughs> or Wednesday. <laughs> hey, Lawrence, thanks for the call. Yeah. I appreciate uh, it. It was fun. Bye-bye. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Bye-bye. And we have a caller, Ed in Roxbury, did you say? Hey, Ed, you there? Hi, how are you? Can you hear me all right? Yeah, I can hear you fine. What's okay, going on great. in the garden? Well, I have a question on the frost. So, um I was talking to one of my friends, and he said, well, if you don't have row covers and you're in a real cold pocket, just turn on the sprinkler system yeah. before the temperature drops below freezing and put some a, a fine uh, layer of ice yep. on the plants. Yep. Does that make sense? Well, it does, and that's a technique they use in Florida for the uh, for oranges and, and uh, strawberries and things like that. Um and and it works better for fruit than it does for for green plants like uh, you know tomatoes and that kind of thing but it's it's a little on the risky side and i honestly would not recommend it because you've got to time that sprinkler so that it's cold that that you're getting it on there just as it gets down to you know temperature because if you put it on too soon it'll just you know it'll just roll off you won't have the ice you know you want a thickness of ice so you're going to have to either get up early in the morning or get up a few times during the night and hit that just right so you turn the sprinkler on so that it'll turn to ice just at the right time so that's a that's a timing issue that i'm not sure you know that it's worth the day or two um it's it's of no advantage to your plants to put them in 
uh, and risk that though. So if you, you can possibly put them in Wednesday, I, I, that would be my recommendation is just avoid the whole thing because, you know, the plants don't like the cold. Uh, and, and even though you may save them, you also run the risk of losing some of them. So I'm not sure, sure that the risk is worth the two days. That's my opinion. That's probably what I'm going to do. Now, if I was okay, in the well, banana belt. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Do you think you're going to try it or? No, I think I'm going to go on the safer <laughs> side and just put out row covers. Well, if you if you change your mind, let me know. I want to hear if that works. <laughs> okay. I'll do that. All right, Ed. Hey, thanks for the call. <laughs> you're welcome. Thank you. Yep. Bye. Yeah, there's there's things like that that work really well if you're in Florida, you know, <laughs> but they kind of you run the risk of <laughs> it uh, it not working so well with your tomato plants, and then that's the the sort of the balancing act. Is it worth that risk? But uh, and honestly, even row covers have a certain amount of risk. You know, row cover will keep. Um, you know, uh, you have to make sure that those row covers are not touching the leaves, Morris. They have to be supported above the leaves so that there's space for the, the warmer uh, uh, the warmer air from the ground. The, the ground heated air can get up above where the, where the plant is. Because if the row cover is touching, Morris, when you come out after the words, that row cover will be, you know, covered with ice. If that's touching any of the leaves or if it gets heavy enough that it falls down on the leaves, then then, you know, you could get a, a frost burn on the tops of the leaves or, you know. So, I don't know. For my money, it's, it's, I don't think it's worth the risk. So, even though I really, really, really want to get those plants in the ground this weekend, uh, I'm going to wait till Wednesday. So, uh, but talking of things that we can plant, there's tons of things you can plant today and tomorrow that have nothing to do with frost and you are absolutely home free. And things like green beans, right? You're going to put them in the ground. They're going to be fine for the next few days. No problem if it frosts right on top of the ground and it, and it, and you, you know, uh, it's no problem. Um, you can seed your cucumbers, your summer squash, your zucchini, um, you know, uh, all of those things are fine to to put in. Uh, you could actually put your sets of kale and broccoli, chard, pumpkins, cauliflower. Um, you can certainly seed your more. You should be at least on your second crop of lettuce. You you want to seed. Uh, a second crop of lettuce, a second crop of peas, uh, and radishes. So go ahead and seed all those things. Beets and carrots uh, should have a second crop now. Um, and, of course, your pumpkins, you can seed those things now. Um, I wouldn't put out sets of, of tomatoes, uh, tomatillas, cucumbers. I wouldn't you do the squash sets. Celery, we were just talking about that, and so that's sort of a, a question mark. Um, if you don't have to do it, if you can wait till Wednesday, I would. Fennel, same thing. Uh, pretty much all the coal family, though, you're okay. Swiss chard is fine. Eggplants, no, I wouldn't do the eggplants at all. Matter of fact, I'd probably wait till next weekend for eggplants, okra, and, and uh, peppers, and sweet potatoes if you're doing those. And um, let's see, what else? Well, potatoes, of course. If you have potatoes, plant them. They, my potatoes are up. 
an inch, two inch on some of them. The early ones were up two inches, and the the later varieties are up just just starting to break ground. And uh, what fun! I I have to tell you, Joel, I had my uh, grandson, the older one, the four year old. And I said, let's go out and see the garden. He said, you know, Grandpa, I want to know what everything is, you know. And we went through, oh, uh, you know, there's, what's that? Oh, that's a weed. <laughs> uh, well, see, look a little closer, and then you see these little things. What do you think? They look like parsley. I said, well, you're you're half right. They're actually carrots, and it's in the oh, parsley family. Close. Wasn't that good? I, I thought, uh, yeah, yeah. And, the, <laughs> and uh, the beets, you know, we went in through those and the garlic and the onions are coming up. They're up like six inches now. We just planted them a few weeks ago, and they, they're doing great, great, great. Uh, but I have been watering every single night. You know, it's uh, the heat has been just unbelievable. I, you know, you get up to 92 degrees, and that's August weather, honestly. And, you know, August weather, I'm, plant, I'm, I'm watering, you know, twice a week at least, and uh, um, and that's when they have full root systems. But, you know, you have to think, you know, a carrot, it's up a half inch. Well, it's probably got maybe an inch root. So, you know, you you don't have a lot of leeway. And so if you have young young plants like that, if you have uh, beets and carrots and, oh, I get peas and, and uh, lots of lettuces and, Oh, uh, some young young kales are coming up, and then of course the sets. The sets are the same thing. They just have that one little root ball, and so they're starting to put some roots out. They don't have a lot of access to moisture in the soil. You have to. You should be watering those things probably every day, um, and uh, that's. Uh, I think that's pretty important right now, particularly with this heat. You guys are getting heat over there by the lake too, right? Boy, I tell you, it's uh, been something else. <laughs> I've, I put out plants for for everything because of all the critters, uh-huh. and uh, I even bought um, even bought my sunflowers for the first time this oh, year, oh. rather than start them mm-hmm. inside myself because mm-hmm. by the time I get them out, they get too spindly and then yeah. tend to break off on their own in the wind. So I uh, I picked up a bunch from uh, Clausen's oh, oh. and. Um, They've grown in like in three or four days. They've grown about four or five inches. Wow! Oh, that's great. It's really just amazing. That's really exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because I was thinking I wanted to. You know, I have these trellises that I use, and and um, they're made out of you know EMT pipe, and and frankly, they're not really pretty. Mm -hmm. And I know my wife is was like, you know. They look like pipes in the garden. (laughs) So I told myself this year, and I was thinking about your... um uh, the um, the ones that you plant in the in the on your mailbox. Oh there. right, yeah, the morning glories. The yeah. morning glories. I was thinking about those. I thought, I, well, you know, they would go up on one side, right. and uh, and then I was thinking of maybe getting a sunflower and have it on both sides, right. you know, so that they'd have that you know that big leafy stuff. Yeah. And and I don't think that they would bother the peas or the beans much. I think they'd be all right. And then the other one is nasturtium. Have them grow up on the sides, you know. So that we kind of hide those uh, the pipes. One thing I haven't been successful in doing, and maybe you, maybe you can't mm-hmm. in, in this area, but I was 
planting sunflowers and morning glories together, mm-hmm. hoping the morning glories would grow over <laughs> the, the sun. But the, uh, you know, th- this year it looks like it just might happen. Oh, know? really? Because that... the sunflower, sunflowers are really growing fast. Uh. And the morning glories, they just kind of, they just stay put until they decide to grow. I yeah. mean, I've never been able to accelerate morning glories. So mm-hmm. at any rate, another little fun e- experiment. And even those I bought for, because... Uh, um, you know, I tend to get myself confused, but uh, Crossens has them uh, in little peat pots with, mm-hmm. you know, with uh, whatever color they are. So, oh, yeah. So yeah. I'm very patriotic this year. Red, oh. red white, and blue. Red, oh, that's great. Red and blue, scarlet and, and blue uh, morning glories. And morning then, glories. And then white moonflowers. So, well, I we'll didn't know. I always thought yeah. they were just blue. Yeah. No, they're red, and uh, some, uh. Of them, some of them have multicolors as well, uh. you know. Uh, and yeah. if, you, if you're into... You know, a, a basic genetics, you can actually plant your morning glory seeds, uh-huh. and then, you know, if you harvest your seeds, by the second and third generation, you can do the Mendelian compositions, the Mendelian, uh, uh, you know, uh, what percentage genetically would be blue, what would be red. It worked very well. That used to be a high school uh, genetics experiments <laughs> with morning glories. Yeah. That sounds like fun, actually. Uh, I, uh, well, yeah, I guess you could save the seeds. Now, it, I don't know if um, you can save the seeds from, uh, um, uh, let's see, from the morning glories, but wouldn't they cross-pollinate a little bit? Well, that's the whole point. Yeah, oh. That is the whole point, yeah. Oh. So, okay. So, you know, only if, if you deal with two specific purebred varieties, and the red and the blue are perfect, so or mm. the white and the blue would, mm. would, would mm. be perfect. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's good. I, and I, the other thing I did was I bought, I, I bought my very first uh, rhubarb plant. Now, usually I cut my root, I, I will, you know, dig down and take part of a, an existing plant and plant it somewhere else. Yeah. And I still have my grandfather's rhubarb. But I'm, 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 I'm figuring one that is not at all connected to the original host plant. Sure. Those many years ago, I might have a little extra vigor. So I'm going to have two little rhubarb patches. <laughs> you know, one that I, I know the history of because it's been part of the family for over 50 years. Can you believe that? Uh, and. Y- Yes. Yes, and uh, and uh, the new one, the new little plants that I picked up from uh, from Clausen's, and uh, they start everything there in by seed themselves. So it's nothing that's brought in from outside. So uh, I'll I'll see how my two rhubarb patches mm. compare. Mm. Yeah, that would be interesting. Uh, now I can't say I've ever had huge luck with uh, with asparagus. We have asparagus when we've been you know cutting it. But, you know, I've got two, three by ten patches. And I can't say that I really have a good, I'm not quite sure. Although I've got that manure, I think I'm going to manure them up good this year and, and see, if I, uh, see if I don't get a little bit better yield. We'll see. You now, know. You, earlier you were, you were talking about getting rid of ferns with yeah. lime sweetening. Yeah. Is that how? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, my, my fiddlehead patch, which is huge, uh-huh. okay, I am not kidding right now. I should have taken a selfie, although, believe it or not, I, mean, I don't know how to do that with, <laughs> you know, with a, a flip phone. But the, um, uh, the, my, my ferns in the backyard that originated from the fiddleheads are five feet tall now. Oh, good Right Lord. up to my chin. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I've never seen that. That's the biggest they've ever been. <laughs> that's am- the tallest. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, well, it's funny because they're, they're not particular. They aren't particular about the soil that they're in. 
but it it does have to be somewhat acidic. And they and they have this year they finally completed their their job, their mission, <laughs> not my mission, their mission. They have completely wiped out the um, uh, daylilies that I had right along the oh, back no of kidding. the house. Yep, they've taken over. Uh, I, I am down to I don't have daylily one at this point, mm. and I used to have tons of daylilies, and I planted the the original uh, uh, fiddleheads. Um, just behind them, the three little fiddlehead plants, just to use as a barometer when the real fiddleheads in the woods would be up. Yeah. And uh, as uh, I've been mentioning many times, I've got about a, a 30 or 40 by 50 foot patch now. Yeah. <laughs> My wife is envious, I have to tell you that. Every time I mention the fiddleheads, it's like, we need to do it. You can. What it, it's amazing. To. Yeah. I mean, I... <laughs> I followed. I followed no plan other than I just dug up a couple and put them in the put them in the backyard, saying, "Hopefully these will come up, and that'll tell me when to go into the woods." Because you'll couple have the of years, barometer. Couple of years straight, I went into the woods, and there were all ferns there. I was mm-hmm. too late. You know, mm-hmm. they yeah. decide to come up, and you have a, oh, you have just about a week, really, a week, mm-hmm. ten days, maybe at the most, in yeah. order to a uh, window, in order to harvest. Well, where you, where we are, black fly season is usually the barometer that we use because as oh. soon as the black flies show up the that's when they that's when they're at their best so it's suit up if you want if you want fiddleheads but uh, we saw our first dragonfly yesterday i saw him so that's usually the end of the black flies fortunately mm-hmm. so that and if we get that really cold night uh, uh sunday night that'll that'll set them back for sure mm-hmm. so and in the woods, all the lady slippers came up. My my, my yeah. wife is a real flower person. Yeah. And uh, don't step on it. Don't step. On it. They were all they were all they're beautiful. <laughs> I tend I tend not to notice things like that uh, in the woods, but uh, yeah, uh, people. You know, th- and that's a nature protection area out uh, by the uh, by the former airport in Colchester. No, the lady slipper. What's the flower look like? Oh, that? It's, it's that's just, just one. You know, a red. The red you know, falling mm-hmm. down, and I guess yeah. they're. They're protected. I'm I'm heading toward the phones here. Okay. Trying to you know walk and chew gum at the same time. Okay. And if I push that button mm-hmm. and then I do this and say, "Good afternoon. Uh, your first name in town, please." Hi, Joel. Dick and Waterbury. Hey, Dick. How are you? <laughs> hey, buddy. What's up? Hey, hey, Peter. How are you? Good. Good. Hey, uh, I think a week or so ago you gave your website for looking at different trellis options. Oh, uh, that was actually just going to be on the uh, the Facebook, the WDEV Facebook. Okay. Um, I did give my, my website, but my email address, if you wanted to just email me a, a note and I can send you back a, a photo of them. And, okay. that, and that's just tdgarden at aol.com. So you can uh, just send me a, a note and I'll send you some pictures that I have. Okay. And I... Uh Getting my daughter started. I put in some raised beds for her. Oh, cool. She doesn't have much room, so I put in some cucumbers. And uh-huh. Okay, now i got to get these things trellised. It's going to be all over the place otherwise. Yeah, so. that's right. Yep. That's right. I have the same problem right now. I've got peas coming up in, in two beds uh, in the in that we replaced the box on this year. Uh-huh. and. And I didn't put the trellises back, and I was just looking at them. They're up about six inches, and I thought, uh-oh, I better get going on this. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to outgrow. They're going to race. They're going to win the race, and I'm going to lose. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, I, I grow a lot of garlic every year. Yeah. And um, last fall, I put in some garlic bulbs in two of my raised beds. Yeah. And they're right next to a row that I've got just, you know, normal ground planting. Sure. 
and I would say the one my garlic and the raised beds is oh twice as big as mm. the other. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I mean just oh that's nice. Completely noticeable difference. So. It'll be interesting to see what I actually get for balls out. Yeah, that's that's yeah. the final test. But usually, it's a good if you got a good yeah. fat stock, it means you have plenty of layers on the. Yeah, yeah. yeah but, uh, that's for, good. What for some what reason, boy? I'm not uh, my radishes and lettuce are just not working for me this year for some reason. I don't know why. Well, the heat uh, definitely would beat them, uh, and that's one of the reasons I've been watering every night is to try to cool down that cool them down because you're right that that'll make them bolt faster than anything. Yeah. It's just uh, just that downright heat. So so far, keeping my fingers crossed, they look okay, and the spinach is not bolting yet. And so uh, try if if uh, the thing is is as with anything, replant them. Just oh, replant yeah. them. I mean, yeah. you know, spinach and lettuce—they're up in short time. And next time you plant your lettuce, plant a a variety like an iceberg lettuce or a romaine and they're much less sensitive to the heat and uh, and those are good uh, nice heads and then the other one i found that the iceberg radishes were much more tolerant of the uh, uh of the heat than your regular cherry cherry bells so give those a try or else you know go on the high mowing seed and see if they have any that they recommend for heat that right. would be good um and my uh my onions, I actually uh, started onions from seed this year. Yeah. Um, and I put those in oh, a couple of weeks ago, and they seem to be doing pretty well. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And uh, um, I also I put in some um, red sets, so I've got them kind of close by so I can kind of look at the differences, how they... They grow differently, and what the end result will be. So that'll be interesting. So, so that again, say that again. Red what? Some onion, some red onion sets. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. red sets. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Yeah, I got a bag of red to plant this weekend too. So. Yeah, but I, I guess like you, my plan for this weekend was to put in my tomatoes and peppers, <laughs> and I said, well, oh, I got too much work to do them. I think I'm going to wait a few days. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, good for you. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. uh, Dick, thanks so much for calling. It's right, really bye. good to hear you. And uh, I guess we have another caller, huh? Oh, two. Judy and Barry or Joe? Judy and Barry. Okay. Hey, Judy. Hi. Um, I'm wondering how to get rid of invasive bamboo. <laughs> we had a call uh, about this uh, a couple weeks ago. And um, the the the... <laughs> is uh I should just say well good luck <laughs> but the the main thing that you can do with evasive bamboo of course is to try to cut the crowns uh, you know, cut them down, and if you can put your spade in and cut the crown, and then you've got to smother them, and I mean really smother them. You've got to use black plastic, not just a landscape cloth. You want to cut off uh, all the air, you want to cut off all the light, and you want to cut off all any kind of moisture. And, uh, you know, they, they are so persistent that they'll probably even push up that black... Um, black plastic so i would recommend either using two layers of black plastic or or using a layer of black plastic and a and a, some sort of heavy mulch to hold it down because you're trying to trying to kill it and choke it out and and that's about your only uh, possibility i mean i assume that you don't want to use a, a um a, an herbicide 
Um, no, I don't want to use it. I was wondering about rock salt. This is a piece of, of land that we don't use. It's behind the garage, yeah. but it t- tends to go move, move into other properties. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, so I was just wondering if I put rock salt down there, if that would... Uh, I haven't heard about rock salt so much. Uh, uh, at this point, you're, you are trying to, to kill it. You could certainly try that. People say they use rock salt to keep the weeds down in asparagus because asparagus lights it. So that's the thing you have to watch out. You never know. It might actually like that rock salt. Oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, they, maybe, maybe I don't know. I just don't know whether okay. rock salt would do it. But I do know that the only way to do it is to cut it down, try to dig as much as the, um, uh, the, the root out as you can find, if you can find the crown, and then just absolutely smother it and go out okay. beyond where it is a little bit when you do smother it. Make sure that you give yourself a good six inches, maybe even a foot beyond where it is because they'll definitely creep out to try to find the light. Okay, thank you. Okay, Judy, good luck. Let me know how it goes. Thank you. Yep. All right, Joel, and then we have uh, Joe in, in Northfield. Hey, Joe. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm good. And yourself? Oh, that's right. I have a question for you on peas, um, yeah. the kind that grow on, like, defense. Yep. Um, I've got four vegetable books, and all of them say something different about fertilizing them. Yeah. Two of the books say you don't do much fertilizing at all, and the other books you say you... You have to fertilize them a little bit. The problem well, I'm having is we've got a row probably about 75 feet long. Yeah. And we planted them, and all, about half of them come up, and the other half didn't. Oh, yeah. Well, that's not, that's not an uncommon problem with peas. Um, and uh, peas are very fickle that way. Um, and uh, uh, it was, uh, I went to Merrill Glare's uh, farm once and uh, I was looking at his flowers and by golly, I said, gee, the, those look like peas, uh, Marilyn. He said, yeah, that's the only way I plant my peas anymore. I start them, you know, one seed in a cell and then I transplant them. So if you're having problems, uh, and sometimes it's soil moisture, sometimes it's heat, sometimes it's cold, and it's hard to tell with peas. Um, yeah. And I've, I've done both. I've done, uh, I planted some, um, and I must have just hit it just right because they, those are coming up great. And then I did some in cells, and I planted those, and those are doing fine. Um, so if it's, um, you know, if... Uh, if you're having problems with them, one thing you can try to do is go ahead and soak your peas uh, before you plant them. Sometimes that helps. That's you know that's oh, yeah. one of the options. Soak them overnight or soak them for well, it'd be a minimum of about six hours. But soak them yeah. so they swell up a little bit. You know they're not that hard little wrinkled thing. And okay. and then. Uh, mm, the other thing that some people do is that when they soak them, they'll soak them in a, a, a liquid uh, seaweed um, because uh, the seaweed is a root, root growth enhancer, and that may help too. So, the, you know, just give, just give that uh, a try, and, and if they still don't come up. I just replanted two sections of peas because I had sort of spotty growth. And uh, so just last weekend, I, I replanted in between those. Um, and yep. those, those were up top of the hill. 
And you just, you know, you just never know. Peas are like that. They're very fickle. Joe, you still there? Did we lose Joe? Oh, okay. Um, Joe, I'm sorry. I think we lost you. He might be talking, but uh, I think he went out of cell coverage. Oh. <laughs> the, line is, the line is still open. But, you know. so, okay, so Joe. See, something's happening. Right All now. right. Let's see. Something's happening. Yeah. Let me drop that. Let me just drop that. Yeah. And then let me go. This probably is a new caller or it's Joe. At any rate, uh, good afternoon. Uh, your first name in town? Jay in Waitsfield. Hey, Jay. Um, I'm just curious. I'm looking at my lilac tree. It's it's actually like a little tree. Yeah. And it's got plenty of flowers on it, but they're not very bright. They're they're very dull. They're almost white. Huh. Well, there. Uh, have you? Uh, is this the first year with it, or is no, it? Have no, had a year? It's it's old. It's, it's been here for a long time. Huh. Huh. And uh, is it a big bush or a small bush? Or? It's fairly big, probably 20 feet tall. And oh, yeah. Uh, do you prune it on a regular basis? I really don't. I just did prune some of the dead stuff off I saw, yeah. and that's what made yeah. me want to call you. Yeah, yeah. Um, generally, you know, they don't need to be fed. Um, yeah. uh, I And so I would... I would probably look to pruning it and to reinvigorate it a little bit. Uh, we just took a big whack out of uh, both of our, or actually, I should say my daughter, daughter did it for us. But uh, and you know that's that's the best way to invigorate uh, a bush, a tree like that. And okay. oh my good lord, uh, I, one of our, our neighbor has one that's like you say. Well, it must be twenty feet around. It's huge, yeah. and um, uh, I think that's basically what keeps it. Um, Keeps it strong, you know. Yeah, last it year there. it had lots of flowers, very mm-hmm. bright, and mm-hmm. they smelled quite nice. These don't really smell much at all. Either. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, well, the, I think it's uh, it's just like a wild apple tree. You know, sometimes a wild apple tree gets into a cycle where it has it bears really well one year and then right. barely anything the next year, and that that's a, a pruning issue. It's just you know you need to thin it out. That would be yeah. my first uh, first suggestion. You could try some compost on it. Compost is sort of neutral and and would definitely uh, um, combination of them. You know, would be would would be good. Right. Just put the compost on now, or yeah. I wait. Oh on yeah. Now? No, no okay. I'd put it on right cool. now. Give it a good watering, and and uh, you know sometimes uh, those things are affected by the heat, and we did have an awful heat wave here. Yeah, but... I, I thought of that earlier, actually. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. You you just never know. You know, last year the heat wave hit me just right, and I I didn't have one head on any of my broccolis. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I was like... Lucky you. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, you know what happened, though, is in, in November, I had these broccolis with heads on them. <laughs> oh, Because yeah. I just kept watering and feeding them, wondering if they would come back, you know, just to watch and kind of learn a little bit. I thought about replanting, but uh, yeah. the only consolation that, that, it, that people could come up with is, well, you can eat the leaves like kale. <laughs> Uh, well, I had uh, a garden in California when I used to live out there. Yeah. I had two dogs, and yep. as soon as the broccoli came up, that I was thinking, well, I'll harvest that tonight. We'll have broccoli for dinner. Yeah. 
came home, they'd eaten them all. No, the dogs the ate them. Was well, I used to give them the stalks. I oh. cut the tops off and oh. give them the stalks. Mm. So it was my fault. You trained them. I, I couldn't really <laughs> give them too much grief about it. But yeah, it bummed yeah. me out. I, yeah. I had a friend who was in the habit of of throwing raspberries to his dog, uh. <laughs> and you you know what happened after that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I could just see it. Yeah. <laughs> Where's all my raspberries? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thanks. I appreciate it. you. Do very well. I appreciate yourself. <laughs> sure thing, Jay. Thanks. Okay. Take appreciate care. you listening. Yeah. All right. Take Bye. care now. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess are we due for a break? We are due for. A, I just wondering though, if my dog would ever eat any vegetable. <laughs> you have to train him. Well, I, I tried to train. You know, I tried. You know, beagles. They just don't fetch. You no. Know. They. I, I tried to get her to uh, cat. You know, to, I threw a ball out there. Yeah, yeah. And she just looks at it. No, he's just, the only the only ball she would chase is a meatball. A you know, meatball. So, at, at any rate, broccoli. Oh, I, I could just picture my dog eating broccoli. Uh, and. And uh, as we reach the final moments of the program, uh, it's we always have time for another caller. And uh, Peter, oh yeah, you got a caller? Okay, uh, I think your uh, mic just went off. Oh, we have Norm in Bristol. Did I? Norm, how are you, sir? Good. How are you? Good. Uh, I wanted you to run through the reinvigorating of the road, uh, raised beds. I yeah, sure. I had lime and, lime and fertilizer, but what else? Um, well, I I like a, a couple lime. Uh, this is in a four by four, sixteen square feet, which is about a tablespoon okay. per square foot. So okay, a couple yeah, lime, yeah. a cup of sea kelp, uh, meal, yeah. uh, and you could replace that with a tablespoon of um, of um, of sea kelp, liquid sea kelp, per square foot. Uh, mix it in with a gallon or so of a water. Cup, you said. Uh, a cup per square foot. That'd be right. And then I like to add uh, some sort of rock powder. And there's a commercial rock powder called Azomite. Um, oh, I meant to mention this. I'm glad you asked about it because I, I went back to um, the uh, Montpelier Agway because uh, somebody called, it was a lady called last week and said that they didn't know what Azomite was. And, uh, but, uh, I just went up and said, I need a bag of azomite and she, you know, put it in and brought it over to me. So they do have azomite. So you've got lime, cup of lime, cup of sea kelp, cup of rock powder of some type, um, and then uh, a cup of uh, of some sort of organic f- uh, fertilizer, you know, something, right. you know, a, like a Progro, yeah. And that's a nice uh, general uh, a general fertilizer, so that you know when you're starting right out, there's there's stuff that's um, you know in your bed, and and that's a good start right there. Um, okay. If you if you put that in, and then you know for the fertilizer, just sort of follow your you know, follow the recommendation for whatever you're growing. You've got heavy feeders and light feeders, and some want a, a yeah. you know, a, a, a tablespoon per um, per plant every week or every two weeks, or you know. So just follow the instructions for whatever fertilizer you're using, and you can substitute that. Uh, you can substitute a uh, foliar feeding for some of those as well. Some a lot of organic farmers and gardeners really like the fish fertilizer, you know. So um, yeah, that's what I have. So, and how do you use your fish fertilizer? 
You know, I just have a two-gallon sprayer, and uh-huh. I just usually will, you know, apply it that way. Uh-huh. So that's, uh, what, a tablespoon a gallon, or is it four tablespoons per gallon? I can't remember. I think it's about four. Four tablespoons a gallon, I and then... I go back and look at the instructions. I haven't used it this year yet. Yeah, yeah, and so you do that uh, once a week, or do you do it every other day, or how do you do well, it? Well, probably once a week. Yeah, once a week. So uh, that's, yeah, that's what they, they seems to be the, the norm is, uh, and, and, you know, that's, uh, during July and August when you're, you're watering twice a week, you can just do what, yeah. still do once a week on the fertilizer. Right. Yeah. That um, that's I, a, I have, I have a, uh, observation. I just came in, this came in from going out turkey hunting this morning and I've been seeing all this, uh, Honeysuckle, the wild honeysuckle now that's taking over the roadsides, and they're putting out blossoms right now. And there's a lot of bumblebees mm-hmm. uh, working those blossoms, and mm-hmm. they have for years ever yeah. since they showed up. Yeah. And also on the wild rose, I don't know if you've seen that invasive wild rose. Yep. Yeah, yeah multi-floral like rose. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot yeah. of farmers hate that stuff. Oh my God! It goes up. I was watching it today, or looking at it. I was walking down this road, and it had to be. And once you find something to climb up, mm-hmm. like a cedar tree or whatever's growing next to it, oh yeah, uh, it'll go up there twenty, thirty feet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, is, it, it, I was wondering if it's good for the bees or if it isn't good for the bees. I I know the bumblebees and the honeybees are both working it. Yeah, uh, both of them. So I don't know if you heard anything. We could call it invasive, but you know the the bees and the the bumblebees and all of those uh, uh, nectar eating insects right. uh, just call it food. So you know, yeah, yeah the, it's it's fine for them. You know, it's okay. it's not Good. a problem at all. I, even uh, I'm Pennsylvania, where my uh, parents uh, lived is, and my brothers, uh, there's grapes, grapevines growing up all the trees out there. You know, and uh, they put out flowers and, you know, it's a source of pollen, certainly source of uh, nectar. So, you know, I would say that. I just didn't know if it's, you know, it would be detrimental or not. Nothing you can do about it now, but it's going to at least. My favorite uh, uh, weed is the the milkweed, you know, that's definitely, oh man. And that that has a fragrance that really is right up on a par with lilac. I I have to say it's one of my favorites. Yeah. Uh, Can I tell you a quick story about uh, milkweed? Uh, Yep. Joel says yes. Go right ahead. Last year, I was outside splitting wood, and I had been nurturing these milkweed plants, and I'd seen a, an adult going over and feeding on them and laying their eggs. Yeah. And I saw the caterpillars come out, and they kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. yeah. And then they hatched out. So this day when I was splitting my wood, I had a uh, monarch come flying around me. So I put, <laughs> I took a break because I had a little bit, you know, I was been doing it for a while, and I had little beads of sweat on my fist, so I put it out in front of me, and the monarch came over and landed on it and started, you know, uh, their little proboscis here that they had. It's quite long, actually, but it was feeding on the sweat beads. No kidding. So then I, yeah, I watched it for quite a while, and I put it over on uh, a plant, and I went to walk back, and it came back, so I put my other hand out, made a fist, and it did the same thing. I'll be done. Now... The next thing, I put that one on a weed, and then I started walking away, and it started flying around, and it came over and landed on my cheek. <laughs> That's something. And then 
I made a move and it flew off. So I stopped, and you're not going to believe this. It came back and landed right on my ear. <laughs> it looked like it was. I mean, if I could see it, it looked like I probably would say it looked like it was talking to me. Oh, for you heaven's know, sakes! Unbelievable! Oh, I mean, must saying thanks or something. Uh, something, sure. yeah, yeah. That's well. That's a great, great story, Norma. Yeah, I appreciate absolutely it. True. Yeah, it's yeah. Believe that. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, well, I'll let you go. You I must be a, a sweet home. guy if they're coming after you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what somebody else. <laughs> well that's a great story i'll have to tell my grandson about that <laughs> yeah sure well, okay then thanks very much yeah for the, take for care the questions and uh, answers. I appreciate it. yeah no problem okay. glad to glad great, to great 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 story but isn't that good yeah <laughs> better a monarch doing that than a turkey vulture or something. <laughs> at any rate uh, we i guess final words time now yeah right final now. words is uh wait till wednesday to plant <laughs> and don't forget to water in this heat oh my gosh i'm watering every day so uh, take care of those little tiny plants and i guess that's it for this week <laughs> we'll see you next week in the garden. You bet, in the garden. <laughs> inch by inch, row by row, gonna make this garden grow. All it takes is a rake and a hoe and a piece of fertile ground. Inch by inch, row by row, someone bless these seeds I sow. Someone warm them from below till the rain comes tumbling down. In the Garden today has been brought to you by Menard's family-owned True Value Store, Brooklyn Street in Morrisville. By V's Flowers and Garden Shop, Main Street, Waitsfield. By Broughton's Big Country Hardware, your authorized Cub Cadet dealer in Bridport. By Clausen's Florist, Greenhouse, and Perennial Farm, locally grown just for you, Main Street, Colchester. Go to Clausen's.com for Mega Monday coupons. By your locally owned Montpelier Agway, East Montpelier Road. By Thomas Farm and Garden on the Barry Montpelier Road. By Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber in Middlesex, St. Albans, Enosburg, Swanton, and Derby. Sticksandstuff.com. By Guy's Farm and Yard Stores, four to serve you in Morrisville, Montpelier, Williston, and St. Albans. By PR Lumber, family owned lumber mill with all the lumber, mulch, and compost you need. Route 15 in Wolkett. And by the Willie Store in Greensboro, celebrating 120 years of family ownership. Do join us again next Saturday at 1230 for In the Garden with Peter Burke. Row by row, gonna make-